Welcome to the Resilient Sucks podcast, brought to you by the Adaptability Movement. I'm Ben. And I'm Dan. And we're here to give you resources and tools to help you go from a state of surviving to thriving in life. Resilience sucks the life out of you. And while it's a necessary skill, it's one that we don't want to spend too much time in or we run out of capacity. We're here to talk to you more about how to adapt and find the opportunity in change so you can really go about thriving in your own life. John, welcome to the Resilient Sucks podcast. Um, to give the audience some context, uh, my co-founder Ben Haran joining us today, as well as his dad, John. So, John, welcome. Uh, today, we're really keen to explore a little bit about your rich experiences in life. Um, I've been fortunate to um, get to know you, obviously through Ben, through some different experiences we've shared, both on a tennis court and camping and <laughs> some different environments. So, um, just to start off, like, just tell us a little bit about um, I guess, you know, where, where you're from, like in, in terms of your background and, and where you find yourself at the moment in life. And, and yeah, let's start with that. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. I guess it starts in Albert Park, South Australia, Adelaide. Um, my dad was a wharfie, worked on the wharfs at Port Adelaide. Uh, we were very embedded in the uh, whole sort of Port Adelaide culture, hence barracking for the football team, Port Adelaide. Um, my upbringing was a very kind of uh, traditional one, I suppose, in terms of mum stayed at home, dad worked. Um, we played a lot in the street with the local kids and uh, kicked the footy up and down the road and the, uh, the cricket ball and the tennis, tennis rackets were out frequently. Um, I had two quite a bit older sisters um, who um, my wife tells me now she reckons I had three mothers uh, <laughs> <laughs> who nurtured me. <laughs> so they're, they're 11 and 14 years older than me, so she's probably right. I was a bit spoiled as a, as a young guy, but uh, went to school at St Michael's at Beverley and then high school at uh, Henley Beach, uh, St Michael's. So uh, played a lot of sport, um, footy and tennis in particular, um, but just had really an ideal upbringing. My family was very involved in the community, in the Catholic Church. Uh, my dad did a lot of, uh, and mum both did a lot of uh, charitable works back in the day. They uh, were very selfless people. Um, they were very keen for uh, their children to be educated because they never got the chance to go beyond primary school themselves. They were both from the mid-north of South Australia, both uh, from farms. Uh, but moved to the um, to Adelaide in the war years when they got married, and uh, so I'm only one generation from being uh, a farmer, and yet uh, a less likely farmer you could never find. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that that's strange? Isn't it like how we've got this embedded like skill set, like and like for some reason we've neglected to hand it on to the next generation. It's like we've tried to go provide a, a safer, more sanitised upbringing for that offspring. And yet all of the skills that we've accumulated have gone, oh, maybe they don't need that. Like, It's funny because my two older sisters, I could imagine being farmers, but me, I'm a city slicker. I'm, I'm really <laughs> uh, embedded in the culture of, uh, of, uh, of urbanisation, if you like. Yeah. So, uh, um, so yeah, my early days were very, very uh, joy-filled. And uh, uh, I suppose um, the my earliest kind of teachings uh, from my parents were... To be, um, to be someone that can make a difference. So the whole idea about education that they were on about, I think, was that um, 
that would give you the tools to do something important in, in life. Sure. Now, they were non-prescriptive about what that could be, but they certainly uh, encouraged me and uh, my two sisters to explore opportunities and to um, reach a standard of education which could enable us to uh, explore the world in a, in a very full way. I mean, my mum never went out of South Australia. She uh, um, she had a, an experience of life which was completely um, a country girl originally and then uh, living in Adelaide. Uh, never sought to uh, to travel, never, never really would have had the opportunity. Um, and Dad was a very good sports person back in his um, youth, a uh, very good footballer, very good country footballer. Uh, he, he could have um, probably played league footy down here if he'd so desired, but um, but they all also encouraged us really in that sporting endeavour to uh, to really be um, to be involved, um, not just for the sake of sport, but for the sake of the relationships that that built. So I think sure. I learnt a lot from those early relationships through sport was uh, a really something that uh, really helped my esteem because as a sports person, as, as you guys would know, it does give you a kind of a place in a team, in a community if you like, yeah. um, and it does give you a, a kind of a sense of identity as well as a kind of way of operating, you know, like you know what a, a footballer does, you know what a tennis player does. Uh, and. Uh, I think it gives you some confidence to, to do other things if you if you really desire that. Absolutely. Mm. And you, you've had quite a storied career in tennis um, as one of your major sports. I, I believe you had a um, 50th anniversary of the club not that long ago. Yeah. And you're the longest playing member, active playing member at, at the very least. Yes, yes I am. I've been there for I think 47 of those 50 years that the club's been in existence. Yeah. So. It's such an achievement. <laughs> Well, I think one of the things that my parents instilled in me is if you, if you take on something, don't do it half-heartedly and, and look to the long term. That's probably taking it to the extreme to play for one club <laughs> to 47 years. I'm not sure they had that in mind, but I, I've always stuck at things. So I, um, I've always, if I, if I do something, I'll, I'll really give it a go. I won't just kind of uh, start it and then think, oh, no, that's... that's not, I can't do it or whatever, I'll, I'll really give it a go and then if I can't do it or, I, or other things crop up, I'll, I'll shift, but uh, I guess I'm a, I'm a joiner and a sticker in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And like Ben hearing Dad talk about that about his upbringing, like how, like how do you connect with that? Like what was your experience you know, compared to his and what are the sort of other maybe common themes as well that, uh, that you sort of learned from, from? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of common themes in terms of Obviously, our upbringings were probably very different in regards to opportunities and things like that. Um, I think we were given a, a, as basically as many opportunities as we we could have ever wanted. Um, but in terms of the themes of things such as community, um, you know, being selfless, uh, sport, all those different types of things that you mentioned just then, that they were fundamental in our, our upbringing as well. So um, there's definitely a lot that's been passed on through those generations, I feel. Um, I feel like I would be a little bit more likely to be a farmer than... <laughs> I, like I, love, I love camping and, and being out on the land and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't know if I ever would be a farmer. I don't think I would ever want to be, but um, I feel like I could do if I needed to. Um, but yeah, it, it just... Everything that he said about his upbringing kind of can be 
sort of related to, to my own upbringing, I could probably, you know, inter- interchange him and him and myself uh, a lot in there as well. So yeah, yeah, because I just like observing and like I've obviously known you for you know three going four years and and John probably something similar, but um, yeah, I I see like this great like relationship and, and a lot of like commonalities between the two of you, and uh, I really admire that. Like I admire the way that. Um, you know, strong, you know, noble values that you carry, John, that, you know, then now contributes towards our, our business and our vision and what we're doing. And so I, I know, um, you know, you've recently been doing a lot of writing because you, you um, retired, uh, was it last year, before? Three years ago. Three years ago, wow, yeah. that's crept along. Yeah. Um, so, like, give us some insight into that because I know there's been some deep reflection that, that happened sort of during that period and that's really sort of shaped life differently since for you as well. Yeah, I mean, I've always loved writing um, and I've always written a lot but mainly it's been in the context of my work um, so everything from case notes of clients through to strategic plans for organisations and uh, policy documents and so on but I've always been attracted to stories so I've tried wherever I've been involved in those activities to embed stories into my writing even if they're if it's about policy I've tried to um, enrich that with stories of real people rather than just pure sort of policy development. Um, and I suppose since um, not being in the paid workforce I've had the opportunity now to explore creative writing and to, um, but again it's really about people's stories. I've had the opportunity throughout my working life to, to be in contact with homeless people, um, Vietnam veterans, uh, people struggling with mental health issues, um, refugees, uh, people on the edge in all sorts of different ways and it's given me a great insight into what it is to be human because um, many of those people as I've contacted them, they're kind of, um, they're almost expressing a humanity that we all need to aspire to because everything else is peeled away from them in a a material sense and they're grappling with their own humanity in a very real way. Um, my first kind of encounter with homeless people was when I was working at the, uh, well, the day I started at the Hutt Street Centre and I was the first social worker to, uh, um, to be employed there and uh, it was a volunteer organisation that's now grown into a much bigger and uh, more professional kind of uh, arrangement but um, I've this was in the early 1990s and so I rolled up for my first day at work there and uh, it was breakfast time and they've got a big meal centre there where they have meals for 100 to 150 people a day. It was breakfast and the room was full and I sat down and had breakfast and had a bit of a chat with a few and uh, I was just talking with one of the other um, volunteers there and I said, what are those people queuing over there in front of that door? Uh, there was about six or eight people lined up and uh, they said, oh, well, they're waiting to see you. I said, oh, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I'd better get over there then. <laughs> so this was about eight o'clock in the morning and uh, they'd all heard that this social worker was coming to help them. Oh. I'm not sure what they were expecting I could do and I wasn't sure what I was expecting I could do. But um, anyway, I emerged from there about three o'clock in the afternoon. Everyone said, hey, you know, you missed lunch. I said, well, yeah, there was this queue of yeah. stream of people coming through. But what it highlighted for me, and I spent the next six years working there, and it was a very rich time, 
is that the people really, what they wanted was someone to listen to them, basically. Yes, they wanted housing, yes, they wanted support with their mental health issues and so on, and they were sort of presenting uh, kind of issues, but at the end of the day, they had a story that they wanted to share yeah. with someone, and um, I was a person that could listen to them. Yeah. So that's one of the things that's really informed my writing as I've um, uh, emerged in these last few years is to really try and tell stories of humanity and sure. what it is to be human. Yeah. So look, I find it fascinating the way that you talk about, um, and, and I, I've seen it and I've experienced it myself in the way that people, sometimes people just need to talk, but how, like what value do you place on um, feeling heard? Like, you know, where else have you seen that across your life and um, like how much impact can that have just by um, letting someone feel like they have enough value to be listened to? Mm. Well, I think it's the greatest, almost the greatest challenge of our time because there's so much external noise these days and everyone wants to get their point of view across and often, and especially in, in media in all forms, we're talking across purposes, we're talking across one another and I think the greatest challenge for us now and I think for men in particular, this is probably the case, um, is to be listeners, mm. to hear each other, um, just to be quiet, be still and to hear each other because the value of someone's story is um, immense and uh, certainly in that Hutt Street Centre environment I saw the value of people just coming to tell their story, just being, and they'd walk away and all their problems wouldn't be solved by any stretch of the imagination, but they felt respected, they felt um, that they had value, that they had um, a place to come, mm. and I think that's what we all desire, yeah. is a place to express ourselves, and we don't always find that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's contingent upon us as, uh, as people to provide the space for others to do that, because yeah. uh, I think that's going that's that's what really um, can turn around humanity, if you like, and, and can cut through a lot of the problems and a lot of um, issues before they even emerge if we listen to one another. Agreed. I think that um, that was highlighted in. Um, I was doing a session with the footy club the other week, um, and we did a two exercises, one on. Um, like their life story and kind of going through, like everyone was in small groups and they went through their life story um, briefly, um, just like the high points, low points, um, and, and trying to, the idea of it was to give um, people more understanding of the other people within the team. So um, like for me, uh, like like a high point was like getting drafted to the AFL, like that was obviously like one of the highest points of, of my life. Um, but then like low points were injuries and, um, you know, um, getting delisted or, um, you know, breakups and all, all that, that sort of thing. Um, and it gave, I guess it gives people context as to, to who people are and why they might, you know, be the person that they are. Um, and then the other exercise is around purpose and why they were there um, and the, their reason for being at the footy club. Yeah. And again, it, it just gives people an understanding because everyone, like, out of, especially at the footy club, everyone's like, Oh, you know, you, go, you should come to footy, you know, you go to dinners after footy, you know, after after the games, everyone goes up, have beers, you know, stay at the footy club, all this sort of stuff. But some people 
don't want to do that. Some people just come and play football because they yeah. want to play football. Yeah. And then there's other people who, the football is just the excuse for the rest of the stuff, like the social stuff. And yeah. um, kind of like what you were talking about before, it kind of being a part of a free club, like it's a place for them. Like that, they, mm-hmm. they feel like they belong there and all that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And it gives them a bit of meaning. It's, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, they're at the footy club type thing. So yeah. um, it's... It, it, again, it was and it was about people listening to other people and, and understanding them and, and like you were saying before, it it, it, it wasn't their life. Like it, it was parts of their their story. It wasn't someone getting out there and talking for an hour about their life story. It was just you know this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. But then I think it allows people to go. Well, I'm uh, people now know more about me. Like uh, there might there might not have ever been an opportunity if we hadn't done that for people to mm-hmm. express these things that they've had in their lives that then people go oh okay and then that sparks other conversations and it develops deeper connection between mm-hmm. players and deeper connection ultimately can lead to a better functioning team and a community yeah. and hopefully that will then equal better results on, on the field if that's what you're yeah. after and like footy clubs are great um they're great petri juice for exploring and stuff because mm. you've got you know there's you know, 21 22 blokes uh, all girls playing on side and like to get that many people to move in the one direction, mm-hmm. not not just you know to go that way because mm-hmm. we're going that way for this quarter, but yeah. actually to, to unite around a, you know a set of values, to um, cooperate for a common cause, um, but to be, also be able to have that permission to be able to individually express themselves. And if you're only focusing on conforming people to something, well, you're gonna there's gonna be resentment, there's gonna be um, withdrawal. Um, you know, the loudest voices might feel really comfortable where they're at, but a lot of other people are going to be, feel suppressed in what, what they um, are there for. Yeah. And so when you give people an opportunity to, like you said, to be able to connect over those differences, to be able to understand each other's uniqueness, that we start to place value on that. And when we do that, we feel a sense of belonging, we feel a sense of worth, and then we feel a sense of connection. Because it, it, it's a two, two-way, or, or in, in that sort of, it's a multi-directional kind of thing. But... You know how often do we create a space for that in society like you were saying john um we, we just there's so many distractions I, I sat down with some athletes last night and we did every um every five weeks we do an exercise and it's it's on mindfulness and um sometimes we'll do meditation sometimes we'll do just um like something to create more self-awareness and, and last night we spoke about uh, where are you self-limiting yourself in life? And the and the common theme was was sleep and and screen time on on technology mm-hmm. it was, mm-hmm. and I should almost say that's the common outcome because the outcome was poor sleep. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was waking mm-hmm. up tired. It was going to bed late. It was mm-hmm. feeling overstimulated. The 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 cause or the stimulus for that was distraction. It was that need to not be still mm-hmm. because there's this fear of now nah, be bored. Mm-hmm. I said, why, why would you be bored? Mm-hmm. Like the greatest creative minds over time have all spoken about the way they express themselves was through that self-reflection, mm-hmm. through that time to just to sit and be still and to observe. Mm-hmm. And there's very little value that I've noticed in, in the way I've, I've sort of experienced life in doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there is a movement towards it now where we start to talk more about concepts like mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like a chore now because we've spent so long avoiding it mm-hmm. as a society and on an individual level that there's a discomfort about, I'd, I'd actually rather just mindlessly scroll through here and feed that same neural pattern that it doesn't really serve me. I don't really feel good doing it, but I feel so uncomfortable stopping because mm-hmm. there's an attachment to that. There's an addiction to those things, which is preventing me from 
that spiritual growth through that that self-reflection the, the things that allow me to grow as a person mm. what, what do you guys think about that i think there, i agree with you there is a movement towards that but i think we're still a long way from it and i think um we've sort of um we need to train ourselves and be trained by people um to um to do it now which which is a bit of a pity because it should be a very natural kind of thing for us to actually experience mm. you know um I, I spend a lot of time now um, that I'm not working because I don't have deadlines, I don't have particular things that I need to do at particular, particular times. Um, just, just being, just sitting, just letting whatever happens uh, happen um, in, my, uh, in my parts of my day. Um, but I think um, it's also part of my personality a bit, I think. Um, people who are more sort of task-centred, if you like, and have lists of things. You know, I've gone through phases where I'd generate lists and I'd always be kind of disappointed because the list would never, you know, you tick a few things off, but <laughs> more would just keep coming on. So um, so I don't do that anymore. But I, And I think, um, and that can be a little frustrating for others who think, oh, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. But I think that sense of just being, just sitting and just... Uh, gazing out the window and looking at looking at the trees and being in nature um, I think that's where we're, we're meant to be um, you know we come from an ancestry where life was in the forest it was in the in the open air yeah. um, and it's not that long that we've been actually um, urbanized in the way that we are and we're still coming to terms with that and uh, but I think in that process we've actually lost some of that value of just being by ourselves, being together. And, you know, I think it's interesting when you gather people together and there's silence, people immediately want to fill the silence. Mm -hmm. And instead of um, kind of respecting that even in a group, silence can actually be quite valuable and can be valuable for a group to actually just not even say anything for a while, but just be together, you know, um, in whatever setting that is. But I think that you're right, there is a strong movement in that direction to try to recover that sense of being. And in a way, it's going to be the salvation of our humanity, I think, because otherwise we keep going down this uh, very narrow road um, that creates a paradigm where our experience is all embedded in, um, in activities that demand us to do something mm -hmm. when actually the task is to be something, yeah. to be. Yeah, I certainly feel that we fall into this trap of, of convenience, of like of doing something, right? And like the way I've observed it is, you know, our problems as a, as a society, especially in urbanized cultures, is that um, the anxiety, the depression, the irritability, the, mm -hmm. um, the dissatisfaction with life is growing. Mm -hmm. And yet we're told that there's more services, there's more technology than there's mm -hmm. ever been. There's more funding for this stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself the question, like how far do you keep persisting down that same path before you start to go, well, let's take a step back from this, you know, like, you know, wide angle zoom, um, yeah, what do you call it? Like <laughs> wide angle sort of, you know, look at the situation and instead of going, well, we've only got these things available to us and this is the path we're on. So we've already invested so much, so let's keep going. Why, why don't we look backwards? Why don't we like look retrospectively at ancient cultures that, that function really well in this stuff, or even just our grandparents, our mm -hmm. great-grandparents? Mm -hmm. 
why, you know, where does that desire come from to have more, more, more? Mm-hmm. Why would you not be satisfied with, you know, running your own farm in a small community of people, producing your own, you know, food and crops that you trade with others and, you know, neighbouring families, you know, go and the kids play together while the parents do something and there's a, there's a safety, a security, a connection, a purpose and there's time to be still. Yet we, we somehow think that this, this urbanisation is, is the answer, that we have to, we're almost like, uh, uh, there's a strong um, visual, but like, we're almost like cattle being herded into these sort of cities and being put to work. Mm. And where is, like, where is the time to do this? Like, I know as a, as a father of two children, like, I'm very lucky to be in a, in a business with a very understanding business partner and, and we both desire that flexibility in what we do. Mm. We want to do something that feels in alignment with our values and our purpose. But even that sometimes is hard to get the quality of time that I would like with my children and raising them at a very formative stage of their life to get that time with your wife, to mm. feel connected with your partner. So like, where, where is the opportunity within, because most people don't want to go back to farming or, or, they, or they just don't feel capable of it. Mm. Um, so where is the opportunity within our current environment to, uh, to change this, to change the paradigm of, of what is valued and what is important and move towards something that is so much more fulfilling and builds more connection? I think one of the things is um, we've created organisations and roles within organisations which are quite prescriptive. Um, I look at some of the job descriptions that I've had for roles that I've had and look, to be honest, no human person could fulfil that job description. You know, like you look at it and you think, well, yeah, I'm going, I've got this job, but I, I, there's no way no one mm-hmm. I could actually do all the things that are demanded of it. And, Whenever I was involved in trying to develop job description for roles that were responsible to me, I always tried to keep it simple uh, and um, shy away from, you know, getting the person that's going to be superhuman that doesn't exist to mm-hmm. fulfil roles. So I think all the research that comes out these days shows that the things that you're talking about in terms of a balance in life of family, neighbourhood, community, sport, recreation and work tells us that our work will actually be better if we have that balance right anyway. So I haven't seen a piece of research that says yet, you know, work 80 hours a week and it's gonna be the thing that really makes things happen for you. Um, So I think we've got to rethink what organisations are doing and how they're doing it and what their expectations are. That's one thing. Um, I think we've just got to start with um, like the movement that you're a part of, you know. I think we've got to start with individual people and movements that um, respond to um, the situation as it is, and says, "Look, we can't go on like this because mm. people are suffering depression, there's suiciding in the worst instances." Yeah. I mean, I have a number of people of, of contemporaries of mine that have suicided yeah. over the years, and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I mean, there's a whole range of reasons for that, but um, essentially we're creating a world where men in particular still feel that they have to do certain things and be the breadwinners and be superhuman in lots of ways. We're putting similar expectations on women in, in, in parenting and so on as well, but uh, I think as men we've not found a way to express it. And I think it's got to start with us 
expressing who we are and who we want to be yeah. and encouraging each other in that. I, I catch up with a friend one-on-one -on -one every Friday morning and we just have coffee together and we just have, a, we don't have an agenda, our agenda is just to be with one another. Yeah. And we have been doing that for three or four years now, most Fridays. And the growth and the sense of um, being that I've experienced out of that has been enormous, just through that one to two hours, once a week mm -hmm. with another guy who we explore things together. And we've, we've both reflected that that's been a very powerful, because it's not just for us, we actually talk about the topics that we're talking about here, yeah. and it becomes a way of um, fashioning our own lives differently and seeing the world through different lenses and different experiences that both of us have in order to be better people, if you like, to try and be creating a better world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's what you're doing there is kind of what we're trying to do with our Friday lunches that we do for, for men. So for those of you who don't know, we every Friday at 12 o'clock we um, do a lunch at a, a place, Commune 1 in Seton, um, and it's just basically open invite to any man that wants to come. Like last week we had eight, eight guys come along, and again, there's no agenda, there's no thing that we're chatting about, no specific thing it's not it's not like oh okay it's not a self-help thing it's nothing like that it's literally just come along meet some other guys learn about each other you know chat about your stories with each other talk about whatever you want um yeah. and yeah and just this is creating space yeah for men to do that right so there's a safe environment where you can come and you can be yourself you don't mm -hmm. have you're not at the footy club you don't have to hide anything you don't have to pretend you're something you're not or that you're there for a reason that's like someone else you you come and you meet people and you know, energy flows. Yeah. Like that, that's what I've felt because there's some really diverse conversations that go on, mm. and you're like, well, "This is interesting." Like, mm. I'm I'm keen to observe, explore, like understand. Um, and like you said, there is no agenda. It's yeah. just a, a place to be, um, which is something that like I've really valued. It's kind of it's a bit of a bit of a passion project of, of ours. Um, it's obviously a little bit away from our core business of running wellbeing yeah. and performance programs, but it feels like a it feels like it's a purpose for us and it's a place yeah. where if you can get a couple of you know six foot six ex-athletes or you know, i mean i guess we're, we're still in sport to certain degrees but in terms of the peak of our careers like and what people value and the highest level of sport but you know a couple of big guys walk in and, and be open and vulnerable and, and you know nothing's kind of off the table in terms of discussion well that's yeah. that's unique and i think that is very powerful for disarming a situation where you have men that come in with an expectation that that stuff's not like okay or it's not safe. Yeah. Um, well, so we have so many people that say, oh, you know, my husband or my, my, my brother or my son should come along to this, but, that, but they won't. Like, that's not a tough thing that will come along to it. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're trying to get past that somehow. Like we, we're yet to figure out exactly the way to, to explore that um, in a way that we can get those people there. But mm -hmm. it's, those are the types of people that, that need this the most. And when I say need it, it's just they need a, a space where they can connect with other men because so many, so many people have families or, you know, they're working or whatever and they, and they might have male friends or, um, you know, connections with other, other people, but they don't get the space to just be, as we were mm -hmm. talking about, and just 
like you could literally come along and not say a word, just listen to other people if you wanted, mm. and you'd get a whole lot out of it. And and or you could go there and, and spill your guts out and talk about everything. Mm. You could like it's people just don't have that opportunity to do that, like because they're always constantly you know you know just being that that strong male guy for the family, or um, you know just always just you know work hard, going going hard at work or whatever. But um, yeah, having that hour or hour and a half is is an opportunity for people to do something different. Yeah. And it, it comes back to what people's um, concepts are of what that is as well, right? Because yeah. they, if they've never experienced, how do they know it's not for them yeah. or for no. someone they know? Mm-hmm. They, they just think that there's a resistance there from that person exploring themselves, to being yeah. still, like to, to meet with others. And that, that brings about a sense of sadness for me because I'm, I'm grateful that I have that and that we get to share in that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're self-limiting or you're, you're um, what's the word for you? You're the only one standing between you and that opportunity to sort of be okay, yeah. to, to feel at ease. Like, um, and yeah, it's exciting being there um, and, and you just hope that more people will see the value in that and will join us at some point. But yeah. yeah. And I think that's the antidote to if you get to my age and work finishes and you think, well, what now? Because I haven't really needed to think what now. When I got to my age, I kind of instinctively just pursued my passions. Yeah. But that's not the same for everyone that I am in contact with. Um, a, they're probably not as, uh, they're more reluctant to leave work because that has been their identity and um, continues to provide, especially for males, again, status and a place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so even if you do have other interests, uh, which you may or may not have pursued while you've been working, it's still hard to make that step to what next, unless you're really kind of um, in tune with uh, having had experiences, the the sort of things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So... I would hope that the next generation of men through the sort of movements that we're talking about here don't get to that stage where they get to 60, 65 and think, well, is that all there was or what's mm-hmm. next or yeah. what am I going to do now? Yeah. And because um, that causes all sorts of um, problems with not only their own situation, but in relationships yeah. with both their partners and their kids. Um, uh, leads to decline in mental health. Um, it just leads to people being a bit disillusioned with mm. with life. Yeah. Um, and I think if we can prevent that from happening, it's harder. It's hard to once you're in that situation um, to start all you know instinctively to develop things if you haven't had that experience before then. Yeah, it's it's one of these things like it's experiential. So like if someone's never um, had an experience of something it's very difficult to teach them that through context mm-hmm. so I think it starts with self-discovery like mm-hmm. it's allowing people to feel free to kind of roam and explore and yeah, you're still there but instead of like keeping the boundaries here going we're going to keep this really tight sort of knit around what mm-hmm. is acceptable or we, we allow people to make mistakes we allow them to sort of you know fumble up and recover and and the value in that is that each person gets to develop a bit of self-confidence about that they get to um, have uh, an opportunity to sort of speak about that, to to feel vulnerable, to be, to be okay being vulnerable as well, and mm. to see other people go through the same experience. Because 
it, it can be a different thing to teach. Alternatively, on the other side, it's very easy to teach that really tight-knit kind of things and, and people either comply or they won't. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that, um, I don't know if conditioning is the right word, but it, it feels a bit like conditioning the way that there is this kind of idea of a stoic Australian male you know, this sort of person that sort of just, you know, harden up, get on with it, um, you know, got to be a strong leader for the family, for the business. Um, and like, while those things are, are somewhat noble, like they, if you attach yourself to that, like that, that should be like one of the tools in your kit, maybe, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the, the ability to be that when you need to be. Mm-hmm. But then to also be the ability to be a compassionate, loving father mm-hmm. that can connect with your, you know, your daughters and your, and your sons. Mm-hmm. To, you know, to be um, a thoughtful and, um, and generous partner. Like, these are the things that, for me, fundamentally, like, living is about connection. Like, if, if we're the sole person on this earth, where is that satisfaction that comes through in, in self-achievement? Because, mm-hmm. like, you've got no one to share it with. You've got no one to connect with it over. Mm-hmm. So the, the first thing we want is to build genuine connection with people where we feel we can share these things, highs, lows, otherwise... You know the things that make us unique, mm-hmm. and and to have that valued. Coming back to what you were speaking about before, to have someone like attentive and listen to you as you tell that story or share that story. So that that is just so fundamental to everything else because a c- connection allows for you to speak openly. It allows for you to um, to broach those things that wouldn't be comfortable with, with, with perhaps with perfect strangers or if it's just you beating yourself up over the mistake that you made. Yeah. I think also one of the things that can happen with males is, you know, you can gather around in a, a barbecue or something as a mm. group and you can kind of talk to one another. Bit and, of bonding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But you never get beyond talking about the footy or, yeah. you know, the kind of stuff that's sort of at, at that level of conversation. You don't really get to, rarely, unless, unless you do have the experience of, perhaps one-on-one or in a smaller mm. group of being able to have those um, conversations about the other things that we're talking <coughs> about, then maybe the group can can have those conversations as a group as well. But generally, my experience is we don't. Um, we gather around the barbie, have a few drinks, talk about the footy, you know, it's a nice day, what, you know, we're going to play golf mm. tomorrow, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's all fine, you know, yeah. nothing wrong with that, but where do we get the opportunity to go deeper with our friends? Because yeah. we call those people our friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but where's the deepened sense of friendship in that? Where are we? And of course, if there's a crisis, people yeah. will respond and all of that. Yeah. But in the day-to-day activity, that's where we need mm. friends, is yeah. just day-to-day life. Yeah. It just it becomes very surface level. So we sort of get this little, um, I don't know, it's like a tiny little off the steam. It says, oh yeah, we have friends and we are connected and those mm. sorts of things. But if we're not willing to talk about um, that inner struggle with you know, self-identity or with you know, the, um, a waning connection with a partner or whatever it is, the things that really matter, then mm-hmm. who, who can we speak to it about? Well, and even just to celebrate the little... I mean, I think the other thing is often, until we've had a few drinks maybe, we're, we're reluctant also to put ourselves forward in terms of we actually had this success, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be in work or in some yeah. other setting. We don't... We kind of put that on hold, you know, and, and unless we have the opportunity again one-on-one to talk to people and say, well, actually, I, I did this piece of writing and I was really mm. proud of that. Mm. And, uh, you know, the guy that I, I meet with is a poet and he writes poetry, so he, he presents his poetry to me. Now, he, he won't necessarily present that to other mm-hmm. friends in the broader context yeah. of things, but 
one on one, he feels yeah. like, yeah, John's interested in this, yeah. so we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. look at this together. So, and how does that feel for you? Like, like, like to me, that's a privilege, right? Oh, it is. It gives you great insight into another person's life, which is a tremendous thing about being human, is that you can actually be reflective with someone else about their lives, and that's, that is powerful, yeah. to, to share that experience of someone else's life the highs, the lows, the successes, the failures, the everyday mundane things as well as the great things. I mean, I think that's the ultimate, really. Yeah. It's just, it's just exploring. Like, it's, it's going, well, you know, Ben's a great mate. Like, I want to understand him. I want to yeah. know more about him. Because, like, there's, there's value that we, we bring. Not, you know, what we do as a business is one thing. Like, that's a united vision and, and we care about as purpose. But yeah. even just to hang out. Like mm. just to, to be with someone because you know that you can be yourself. Yep. You know you can actually speak openly about things. You can support each other through challenging times, um, and you you can like I, I dare not say emotional in case there's men listening out there going oh no that's not for me. <laughs> but you, you you can just let that flow. You don't have to be something that you're not in that moment. Yeah. And like you know full transparency, we cried in front of each other and to each other about different things that we've shared. Uh-huh. And I'm okay with that. Uh-huh. Like, not not a lot of people are. Most no. not many people that I've gone through life with have not had cried since they were a child. They've yeah. not allowed themselves to do that. Yeah. And it's not to say you have to go there. You want to go there. It's just about letting letting energy flow through you. So if there is something hard, challenging, um, feels overwhelming, you're tired, you're exhausted. Well that might be what actually brings you some remedy to that. It might be the thing that allows you to let go of it so you can move towards the thing that you really want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anger is, is a big one for men. Frustration is, can be a big one for men because we're trying to contain something yeah. or we're not able to contain it and, and we're not able to process it so it just it, it spews itself out into our existence. And so when we have these connections, they, that stuff is processed. We don't need to go and hit a boxing bag because it, it's flowed in and out. Uh-huh. It, it hasn't got stuck somewhere within us. Uh-huh. And I think that what I like, because I think our relationship has really fostered that in terms of the connection that we've had and the openness. And like, like I speak to you more than probably any other guy about you know how I'm feeling and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that uh, that's allowed um, me to understand that because like, a lot of people think that like emotions and all that sort of stuff and sharing emotions can be a bit of like a sign of weakness whereas mm. like it can it, it's really a, a strength really because if you if, if you have the courage to go hey this is how I'm feeling blah mm. blah blah um, that's to me that that's a sign of courage and strength mm. um, but it also helps realize that um, that there's everyone has different things and there's a lot of similarities like if you're feeling something the, the chances are I've felt that or am feeling something you similar. You relate to it, right? Yeah, We, we exactly. have individual experiences, but there's a, um, a relatability we, to it. We all think that we, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm the only one going through this or mm. I'm, I'm, you know, if I share this with this, people are going to laugh at me or whatever. But then you, you say something and then it, it, someone else goes, yeah, I'm, I'm exactly the same. Like, I, I've done the exact, I've felt the same way. You know, I've had these same struggles, whether it's you know, in relationships or in families or um, work or whatever it is. Like, like it's actually probably amazing how much you can have um, those those things that are similar between the, the two 
two or more people um, mm. that you, you probably don't even know because you never uncover it because you never speak about it. Yeah. Thing, so. yeah. Um, it's that opportunity to process and, and to find your own solution. Like, one thing I'm learning is that like you don't always have to offer a solution in that situation yeah. either mm. to someone <coughs> that is suffering. Yeah. Um, and again, you spoke to that about very early and with Heart Street, it's sometimes just about listening because mm. every person's, the thing we, we probably haven't spoken much about is there's a relationship with yourself yeah, there's a connection that you need with you and that comes through being still and, and being okay with yourself and being able to um, you know, sit and explore and, and to see how you interact in different environments. And, and to me, that is, that is part of that growth. Like, and that is the growth that allows you to sort of feel like there's purpose and meaning in life and to be open to new connections and relationships that bring more value. They, yeah. they, you know, they 10 times those results, which is why we seek out partners and families and, and those types of things. And I think if we have those close connections and those conversations that we're talking about, it gives you so much um, more, a greater frame of reference for your life, you mm. know, because you do understand that other people experience the same emotions, but also it allows you to, to project that into the world and say, well, actually, I'm part of a world which is experiencing, experiencing these emotions mm. as well. Uh, um, and the way that that would be expressed for me uh, there's a number of ways but Anne and I go to the theatre a lot and I'm continually moved by the experience of the theatre now it's not just the the theatrical experience I think it's because it taps into the emotional context that I've been able to be involved in in my own life that connects with a piece of theatre that really brings out the so I find myself quite emotional uh, experiencing a piece of theatre which maybe you know 30 or 40 years ago I wouldn't have had the same kind mm -hmm. of connection with but yeah. I think the experience of being human again actually allows you to tap into that broader humanity. Yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned something about context there and it, it's, um, it's a very important topic to sort of cover because we, we don't have context if we stay in this narrow sort of lane through life if mm -hmm. we you know work the one job or um mm -hmm. you know hang around with only the same people like there is no discovery there's no mm -hmm. um exploration and when we we do that it's kind of like having the blinkers on a you know as a um a young horse and you, you you know they're trying to race it so they want it to go in the same direction as fast as it can mm -hmm. but it doesn't give that horse any context of what else is out mm -hmm. there in terms of life mm -hmm. it's yeah. like this is my task i have to do this task mm -hmm. to me context is is critically important in, in our discovery of life because you need to be able to experience things or listen or see things that are beyond what you would normally look at mm -hmm. in both directions. Mm -hmm. Even if it makes you, in, in fact, especially if it makes you uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? Because it's only when you do that that then you can kind of self-regulate and find where you are comfortable along that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be the same as everyone else, mm -hmm. but it needs to be well-informed. And the only way you can be well informed is through a variety of sources of information, not by limiting it to one or two sources. A great, a great example of that that's like pretty relatable is like like travel. Like if, if you live your whole life, like I said, like your mum lived in South Australia, so she only knew things from South Australia. You travel, mm. automatically you start seeing all these new things and experiencing all these new mm. things, and then it's like, whoa, there's this whole different world out there, and you know, people think this, and other people think this, and it's just like it opens your eyes to other things in the world and you go, okay, my, my theory of what life was is now completely changed because mm -hmm. I've experienced all these new, I have yeah. an understanding of 
all these other people why they do this, like yeah. the different um, cultures and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So it, it's it, like that's why travel is like a great thing in terms of life yeah. experience and whatnot. And then it's the same with anything else in life. It's like do things that, that challenge you and make it, as you said, uncomfortable. Like like whether it's going down and jumping in the ocean in the middle of winter or, mm, yeah. or um, you know, listening to, to something that is completely different to what you normally listen to. Yeah. Like we get stuck doing the same thing over and over again, yeah. you know. Mm. Like oh, I'll listen to these same people. I, I, I watch these same TV shows. Mm. I, I, even, if, even if it's something like as simple as like, you know, oh, I usually read this kind of book or usually watch this kind of movie. Like try something like slightly yeah. different. Like, and so what if it doesn't work out? Yeah. So what if you don't want to do it again? At least mm. you've got an experience mm. now, which allows you to connect and relate to someone else better that does that or or chose not to do that as well. Yeah. And this is like, there's there's definitely there's different areas. There's the exploring because it's exciting and discovery, and then there's also the exploring about you know that purpose of life or about someone that that currently feels like. Um, in opposition to you because of a strongly held belief, whether that be religious or political or you know whatever. But in, in, instead of combating that, what if we tried to understand it? Like we don't have to accept it, we don't have to agree with that. Yeah. But what if we just listened? Like what if we just went? You know what? Tell me a bit more. Like I, I am. I'll be honest. I'm a little uncomfortable, but I, I want to understand this a little bit more before I sort of sit where I want to sit on that spectrum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to me, that would just. Um, address so much disharmony and conflict within society because fundamentally we are so connected as human beings like mm-hmm. the, the things that we fundamentally need like the, you know the clean water air food shelter connection love mm-hmm. like those things they unite us they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, universal. they're universal right and you know so we, without that we, we suffer with that we generally flourish so why would we see someone as so different because they have a belief Differing to ours, and it might be what you consider an extreme belief. But how do you, you don't understand the context of life? You don't know what they've experienced. You only know what you have. So rather than looking through your filter, why why not try and explore that a little bit at least? Mm-hmm. And as long as we're not causing direct harm to others, mm-hmm. and 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 direct harm is you know steal, hurt, you know, like directly, you know, not I'm not talking about saying something that someone you know is is offended by on a on a shallow level. Because you know, we all need to be personally responsible both as how we receive and how we transmit communication as well, like to protect our internal and external environment. But I'm talking about let's, let's be a little less guarded and let's go, we have so much in common, let's try and understand the difference of the uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can self-regulate. That's, that's the beauty of being who we are. I can choose whether or not I want to hang around Ben or be mates with him or you know, um, grow a, a brand and, and an enterprise together. You know, we don't have to do that. We do that by choice. Mm-hmm. We can only do that when we when we fully understand someone and, and seek to understand the things that are different from us. Yeah, and I think um, one of the great insights, or great insights generally, is um, the uh, exposure that I've had to people who are seeking asylum in Australia mm. and understanding that... Um, yeah, their experiences of um, life in their home country because of political circumstances where they've either been persecuted or being under the threat of persecution. But that aside, it's exactly what you said. What they want to do is live a good life, be connected to their family and 
the broader community, work and be engaged in the community in whatever way. And that's the same for all of us. Yeah. And that doesn't change whether you're from Sri Lanka, India, China, United States. We're all fundamentally wired the same way around mm. that. However, in Adelaide, Australia, I think it's possible to go through life ignoring those opportunities. You know, I can live a really good life mm. in my nice house, in my nice suburb, and not ever encounter uh, a refugee or a homeless person or an indigenous person. If I don't want to, mm. I can live that life yeah. and I can be, it would seem, happy in some sense of the word. However, would I be fulfilled as a human being? Would I be exploring the, the outer reaches of what it is for me to be human? I don't think so. Yeah. And so I'd be very limited by that experience. And yet, at the same time, it's possible for us to have other experiences. So it's that kind of schizophrenic kind of dichotomy that we often create in society where um, our choice can be a very narrow choice yeah. and a very limiting choice about our lives, which can be attractive because we think, oh, well, that will save us from conflict or mm. thinking about things that are going to emotionally yeah, touch us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're avoiding um, something that feels foreign or different or um, uncomfortable. Mm. And I, I really want to highlight what you said there about you know the that concept of happiness as it as it compares to meaning, mm -hmm. purpose, mm -hmm. like you know, fulfillment. Because mm -hmm. like to me, there's different ways of looking. Happy is such a loaded word. Yeah. Like happiness is a, a human emotion. If if that's all you're thinking about it, well, there's you know several other human emotions. So if you're trying to be one thing all the time. Mm and you're human, you're not gonna be one thing all the time, so you're always gonna be dissatisfied that you're not happy. Mm -hmm. If you think about happiness as mm -hmm. being more connected with being meaningful or fulfilled, mm -hmm. then you don't have to be happy all the time mm -hmm. to, to um, like as the emotion, to feel happy or satisfied. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like I, I mean, I read a book years ago called The Happiness Trap, and that was profound for me because it, it talked about a lot of that stuff and, and about um, you know, the difference between goals and values, like, and, and living your life in a way that has meaning. And so for me, it's always about, I want my life to have meaning. I want it to um, mean to me, but mean to those around me as well, so that it has a, an influence in other people exploring what's, what's important for them. Mm -hmm. um, but such a really important thing to highlight, because we, we all want to be happy, but what is happy to you? Mm -hmm. Like, what is your concept of it? And is there something greater that you could value above that because meaning, you, you, you'll be happy, you'll be sad, you'll be fearful, you'll be uh -huh. you know, joyous. You'll have all of those range of emotions, yeah. which provide you with the rich experiences mm -hmm. that make you feel like you have meaning and makes you feel satisfied with mm -hmm. life. And I think that gets back to what you were talking about earlier about reflection. I think that's the, that's the call to, to being a whole person, if you like, the ability to develop your own reflective practices that enable you to see situations and to evaluate them and to let them wash over you at times mm -hmm. and not to have solutions to situations even for yourself mm. but just to let yourself experience those and I think that that's where reflection comes in and that's where as we've been talking we don't often give ourselves the space to do that either as individuals or as um, smaller groups of people um, because I think that reflective capacity when engaged with um, effectively will take us beyond 
the sense of being happy now or you mm. know in this moment I'm whatever it's yeah. about putting your life into context as yeah. you say yeah I agree um, anything you want to add to that yeah I just think that like as, as we say talking about happiness and all this sort of stuff and um, like it's pretty it's pretty common that we always put happiness on things that are in the future as well like in terms mm. of material values or mm. yeah. Uh, yeah I'll be happy when yeah, exactly yeah and that's we we've the reflection is key to being happy in the present and being happy with what you got and going, oh, actually, like, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. You know, I have, like, a, a great family. I have a, you know, a, a great bunch of friends. Like, I, like I'm, I'm happy with everything that I got. Like, I don't need a fancy car or I don't need that promotion or I don't need... Yes, those things would be nice. <coughs> but if I'm waiting to be happy when I, you know, oh, you know... Once you go on that holiday, you know, we're so much more, you know, recharged and relieved and, and, and happy then. It's like, well, that holiday's not for six months. Like, what, <laughs> you're just going to grind your way to that there. What can you do now? Like, mm-hmm. like what are the small things along the way that you can do? Mm-hmm. Um, like, what are the daily habits or weekly habits that you can put in place to help um, do that? And, like, you know, what we do um, here is we, do, like, Dan and I do a weekly celebration thing where we... At the end of each week, we say, you know, one thing we're grateful for, um, one thing that we uh, completed, like, achieved, achieved um, and then one thing that we discovered. And it's it's a very simple thing, and it takes two minutes to do, sometimes more, depending on the week's life. <laughs> the reflection. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's, again, it's just like, you know, it's it's a way of going, stopping and reflecting and going, all right, well, actually, like, you know, these things are going really well, or, um, like, last week, we we both um, spoke about how um, there seems that we have this sense of there's a lot of people out there who are, who are actually wanting to help us and, and help us you know pursue what we're trying to do and they're offering up their time or their, their services or um, their knowledge around different particular areas um, which it, 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 it can't be a coincidence that all these people are doing this like mm-hmm. and, 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 and offering it for us it's mm-hmm. it's 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 something that we're doing that is creating that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and we're fortunate that people are responding to us, aren't we? Yeah, but we're not like we talked about this yesterday at breakfast, right? We had a yeah. great conversation with a, um, a friend you introduced me to, and it's you know it's not about luck. It's about like creating. It's about manifesting mm-hmm. um, what you want. And and when we do that, when we're in alignment with that, we we press this energy out around us is like this this field that that yeah. people are drawn into because of it, it aligns with their field um and I, I sound very metaphysical but um you can feel that like you, you know it's that feeling like when you go into a room after there's been an argument there might be no one there but you can just feel this energy yeah. and i think it's the same when people are in alignment with their values and they're moving towards something that is meaningful other people will support that yeah. because they'll relate and to that and go, this, this is something that's important. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's been uh, um, so rewarding noticing that to, to be present in that moment, to notice when that stuff's happening because I just start smiling when I, when I feel mm-hmm. it. I'm like, oh my God, here it is again. Mm-hmm. Like we, someone is or something is supporting us in this journey. Yeah. But we, we, part of that is us supporting ourselves in this journey because of, we finally got the courage to go. This is where we need to be right now, yeah. and what we need to do. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Do you agree? With, yeah, I obviously agree with that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And um, 
I think people are very good at shifting blame and all that sort of stuff um, for why things aren't happening, but you also got to recognize when things are happening because of things that you've done. Like it's, mm. there's, yes, okay, sometimes there are, some people say there's no coincidence in life, like that's, I believe sometimes there are just odd coincidences, but it's often reasons why, you know, you're in a certain situation, whether it's a good situation or, or, or a not so good situation, like often it's because of things you've done to get to that point. Mm. Um, and then it's like, well, what your reaction to that is, is your decision. Like, um, like I read a book and I gave it, gave it to you, um, uh, called the courage to be disliked. Um, and it, and it sp- speaks about like you, you have the ability to, um, you know, your, your past doesn't define your future. It, you, you, what's happened to you in the past makes you who you are, but it doesn't give you, um, if, if something happens to you on that day, that isn't the reason why you did that. Mm. You have the choice to do that. Yeah. And it's affected by what you've done in the past. Yeah. But if someone comes up and punches you in the face, like your reaction to that is completely up to you. You can turn around and punch them back or you can forgive them or you can, you know, run away or whatever it is. But that, 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 um, that split second decision is your, your choice and, and what you want to do with it. And, so often people are like, oh, you know, it's because of this, this, and this has happened to me in the past. Mm. But and that's just putting the blame on that, and it's not actually going. Well, look at all these people out here who have had horrible things happen to them in the past. But then you know they're the most nice people that because um, they make the decision every day to be a nice human being, and they're not going to let what has happened to them in the past affect them. So yeah, um, there's a safety in doing that, like yeah. in, in saying that someone else is the problem. And it's not about beating yourself up. Like I think some people avoid looking inwards and some people mm-hmm. um, put everything on themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think there's this uh, sort of a healthy middle ground there where we just take personal responsibility for the things that um, we could be more thoughtful about in, in the way that we sort of respond or yeah. the way that we act. Um, and when we do that, we actually allow space for other people to do the same. Now they won't always do that, but it gives it a better chance of happening because if, if we said it was all someone else's fault, well, then there's, there's a visceral reaction to that. It feels yeah. like it's defense, which sometimes turns into an attack, which just creates this game of um, very violent tennis, John. It's very difficult <laughs> what you've experienced. Um, but it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve either of those people. Whereas, you know, when you're willing to acknowledge, you know what, I probably could have communicated that better. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit emotionally heightened in, in, that, in that moment. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry for that. And you know, maybe the other person will say sorry and they'll acknowledge their stuff, maybe they won't, but, but it, it'll at least disarm that situation. And hopefully in time, that other person will reach that, that point of growth where they feel comfortable doing that as well, which only grows the relationship. One of the things I've found very useful um, in a work context, but it, it grew into beyond that, was um, having mentors throughout my mm. life. People that I could go to and um, purposefully check out what I'm doing and getting some feedback from them directly about that. Um, I, I think that um, sense of having um, an accountability that goes beyond your kind of workplace because your workplace can be limiting in its own way, but be, being able to um, explore, check out with someone beyond yourself and beyond your organisation, 
uh, I think can be really useful and I always encourage people that um, I had some responsibility for to seek that out for themselves too. A lot of organisations can feel that a bit um, um, challenging because they think, oh, they're going to talk about things about the company, about the organisation mm. that we're not too sure about. And we don't want to address. But the, yeah, <laughs> but, the, but the well-developed ones will encourage it and I think it's really important for workers, yeah. people, to know that they can um, seek and, you know, I, I had... Um, uh, Max, who was my mentor for um, ten, 10 plus years, and now he's my one of my golfing partners, um, and uh, you know it sustained me through a whole lot of situations mm -hmm. in the workplace, um, and always our conversations were had a breadth to them, but they also had a, a purpose to them too, and uh, and I think um, for anyone that's um, engaged in the workplace or in any situation to have someone who maybe even isn't your friend but mm -hmm. who's you you trust and whom you can go to on a regular basis that can be a very useful way of uh, of doing the sort of things that you're talking about there about you know shifting things like self-blame or blaming others um, to a broader kind of context of yeah. well what what is this situation can you help me here's the scenario yeah can we work on this together? Yeah, it's that, that willingness to open yourself up to growth. It's willingness to go, actually, yeah, maybe I did make a mistake there, or I mm. misread a situation, or I didn't have all the tools yet help me with that. Because usually a mentor is someone that's um, got a richer experience in the area of life they're mentoring you on than what you have at that point. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeking out that experience to, to build your own. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's definitely something we speak passionately about with, with our programs about, you know, not just mentors, but accountability bodies, like mm -hmm. people that are, again, have that willingness to um, to say something important, knowing that it, there's a risk that it could be um, hurtful or, or um, might make that other person feel something less than what they currently are. But it's like knowing that, you know, if Ben says that he values authenticity and I see him trying to pretend to be something that he's not, then mm. I care about him enough to, to say that. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling him off. Mm -hmm. by, by no means I'm telling him off. I'm, I'm trying to deliver a compassionate message that says, hey man, like, you know, you talk about this and, and I see when you when you live that, you're, you're really connected with it. Mm -hmm. that, wasn't, that wasn't on the mark for you. Like, mm -hmm. is there yeah. something going on? Like, is there something I can support you with? So I think, you know, having that balance between mentors and sometimes they can play, you know, varying roles. Sure, sometimes yeah. mentor and, you know, accountability buddy, but knowing who those people are in your life and you know that willingness to surround yourself with people like that is what's going to move you closer to the wards you know the type of experiences you want to live i've actually gone um, this is a fairly recent thing that i've done just as a practical thing is writing down in fact in that book there um headings of areas where i i, I want to sort of operate in so i've, I've said sort of um, family um, spiritual spiritual development um, close relationships um, would be examples and named the people uh, medical uh, I've named people mm. that I value and trust whom yeah. I want to be yeah. on my team sure yeah um, like you know that they're this is my team yep um, doesn't mean they're the only people in my lives but in these particular areas you know these are the people I trust and I will go to um, for 
growth and development yeah. or crisis yeah. if that should occur. Yeah. And I, I, th I find that quite reassuring to just name those people. Like I think we all have them in our minds, mm. but to actually write them down and say, yeah, this is my team around medical stuff. This is my team around spiritual yeah. development stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then knowing like, that those people um, deserve to be reinvested in themselves because they're already, already investing in you. Well, I, I've, I've only just started the process of actually telling them that they're on my team. <laughs> 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 Jeez, so this waiting, sounds like primary school. I'm, waiting, I'm, waiting, waiting, for the, I'm waiting for the reaction. I told one of the yeah. others, oh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but others yeah. might not be so sure. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Jeez. As long as it's not just a big gaggle of people and you sort of, yeah, I'll take Ben. Like, Why is oh, John just sitting yeah, there yeah. like, come on, man, be me, be me. Um, but yeah, look, it, it, and probably no better place to probably wind up from here, like just on, on something a little bit lighthearted. But um, like, I, I've really valued the conversation. Um, I've, I've definitely admired you and, and definitely those values that, that Ben seems to have. Um, you know, espoused in a similar way to you of that, that sort of reflection, that ability to just sort of shed off, um, you know, the, the things that most people will carry around like sacks of luggage, luggage mm -hmm. for them, um, in a way that allows you to be present with people and to and to share and be open. Mm -hmm. and, um, hopefully the audience will, will value that as well, I'm sure they will. And so I think like if we were to summarize some of the things we spoke about, we talked about um, that self-awareness, we talked about a lot about reflection and about the value of that, um, about being a great listener and how that can open up connections with people and help someone, you know, particularly in a stressful situation, to feel more valued and heard and um, able to sort of combat their challenges. We definitely talked a lot about connection, about how we achieve that by being more open and vulnerable with people. Um, seeking out different experiences and, um, and sources of information, even when it feels uncomfortable, to help provide more context and perspective to a situation. We covered uh, happiness versus meaning um, and how if we're only looking at happiness as emotion, it can be very self-limiting in, in the way that we sort of seek that out, whereas when we talk about meaning, uh, it's a greater purpose that lies in that for us. Uh, so there's a lot of like a lot of really valuable topics. I think there we, we referenced a couple of books. Um, the courage to be disliked was one of them. We'll pop that in the show notes. The other one was the happiness trap. And uh, the other thing to keep in mind is um, pop along to our website if you if you're listening to this on a on a different channel. Our podcast I sit there as well. We've got um, we've got the blog there. We've got ebooks um, or ebook at the moment. There'll be another one released shortly. Uh, and there's an adaptability assessment that you can do as well to sort of have a look at kind of where you are in those, those key areas of your life as well. And, um, and then if you want to engage with us, there's, as you mentioned, Ben, there's the, if you're in Adelaide, there's a Friday afternoon catch-ups up, catch at midday in the western suburbs, uh, as well as the, the wellbeing and performance programs that we're running in organisations. So we're, we're absolutely always excited to, to welcome in new people with that because it's an exciting journey for us to learn about something new and to help a community of people, um, you know, move towards more connection and, and better performance within their their environment. So, John, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I think that was you know, really valuable. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, and Ben, thanks for bringing John along and, and giving a little bit of context as well to, yeah. to the story of this your dad. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work. <laughs>